0: Hello out there, everybody. Welcome to our podcast this morning. Does the golden rule have a place in 2021? I am so delighted to be here today. I am Audrey Jordan. I'm the Jerry D. Campbell Professor of Civic Engagement at Claremont Lincoln University and so honored today to be accompanied here by my namesake, Dr. Jerry Campbell, who is a founding member of the board of Claremont Lincoln University, our first president, and Dr.
1: Campbell, welcome today. Thank you, Audrey. It's pleased, it pleases me to be here.
0: Well, I can't tell you how much of an honor it is for me to sit here and have this conversation with you, and who better to have it with? that one of the originators of Claremont Lincoln University founded on this core principle of the Golden Rule. And so, you know, I'm going to take advantage of having your wisdom and your presence here today and ask you, Dr. Campbell, if you can share with us, what are the origins of the Golden Rule? I mean, and why did you and David Lincoln decide that that was something you wanted to found a university upon?
1: Well, uh, the golden rule is actually even older than I am. As I recall, it began with um, a sort of question that was asked to uh, the rabbi uh, Hillel many, many years ago. And the question was, could he sort of give the whole Torah while standing on one foot? (laughs) And what he articulated was the golden rule. Hmm. And so that became part of the Jewish tradition. And certainly then Jesus and his teaching rabbi role was very familiar with that and understood that as did Hillel, that that wraps up, that essentially wraps up the whole law and the prophet.
0: Wow. That is something I didn't know. And I'm really excited to hear just that. But as I read the words of the golden rule, Treat others as you would want to be treated. I'm reminded that I came across an article a couple of weeks back. Love the 100% the Golden Rule, the Platinum Rule, and the Titanium Rule. Navigating the best way to treat others, and that article really struck me as particularly relevant today. You know, asking that question because treat others as you want to be treated is a good start, as the author of this article says. But then you realize that you really maybe ought to treat others as they want to be treated, not as you think they should be treated, because you don't walk in their shoes. That is commonly known as the platinum rule. But then he further interrogated that to say, well, wait a minute, hmm, what do I know about how others want to be treated? (laughs) So, you know, I'll, I'll stop there because then, you know, we can go on and talk about the titanium rule. But let's just pause there and see, what do you think about that musing, especially as you think about today's context?
1: Well, today's to- context is increasingly complex in a great variety of ways, ethnicity, religion, uh, you name it. It, it is just a much more complex environment because you now in in America, at least in our best uh, in our best moments, we believe in living together. Uh, we believe in having a a mix of people. Uh, this was a you know this was part of, of what made the image of America to the world attractive because all could come here and have a fair chance. And so it's part of our American, as it were, our American tradition is living together, but it is very complex to do that. In a society that is becoming more complex, there are these issues about how we behave with one another and how we treat one another well. Now, so what I would say first about the article is, I think it's great because here's someone trying to think it through. What the golden rule is for us, it's the catalyst. You have to have some place to start. And the golden rule for David and me uh, looked like a great place to start because it was pretty widely known. Some version of it exists, and at least uh, there's a website that, there, a few years back that had some version of the golden rule articulated for 21 different religions of the world. And so it is, it's not a surprise and you don't have to say, okay, there's a platinum rule, but let me explain to you what it is. You say the golden rule and people sort of get the idea that it's, it's treating another person the way you would like to be treated. Now, when you dig into that, it too is a little bit, uh, it starts you on a journey. That's all it does, it starts you on a journey. And then you have to say, then you have to raise those questions that are raised in this article. Okay, I'm going to treat my neighbor the way I want to be treated. The first thing I would want my neighbor to do is learn a little bit about me and what my wants, how I would like to be treated. So I'm suggesting that, you know, I need to do a little research about my neighbor. I get to know my neighbor. I need to understand what my neighbor's problems are and what my neighbor's passions are before I can treat them, before I can actually act out the golden rule. But the golden rule is good enough to set us on the journey. That, that would be my sort of overall response to, through the article. It's a great article and a, and a great start.
0: That's terrific. Dr. Campbell, I'm, I'm well aware that not only did you all start, you all, meaning you and David Lincoln, start with that as a founding principle, having looked around and been, let's just say, somewhat disappointed in the kind of leadership you saw, regardless of the sector that you were in. I mean, this was back in the early aughts, right? Right. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, fast forward to 2021, wow, have we gotten to look at a dearth of leadership. (laughs) And, you know, the tribalism and the inability for folks to actually put themselves in other people's shoes, as you described you all went further as you developed out sort of operating way that we can make actionable the golden rule. And the Claremont Lincoln University core was established. Can you talk a little bit about how you all landed on those four aspects of the Claremont core that ground the action of employing the golden rule?
1: Well, uh, yes. Uh. Let me start by saying um, our context at the time was a school of theology. I was a president and David was a board member. And one of the puzzlements of being in those roles was that religion was being cast as part of the reason, at least, if not most of the reason, for conflict throughout the world. Yes. Right. And Mm -hmm. the purpose of religion is anything but conflict. So what on earth was happening? Right. And it turned out we were teaching our students a whole lot about religion, about religious traditions, about religious history, about religious arguments, which are usually called theology. But what we weren't teaching them was how to get along. We weren't teaching them how to apply the golden rule in their behavior. Mm. So then we had to say, well, how would we do that? And what would we teach? What are the requirements to get to help someone move into the framework of uh, applying the golden rule? And so that was the origin of the Claremont Corps. We began to ask those fundamental questions of why is this not working? And of course, along the way, Carmont Lincoln is not a religious institution uh, nor related to any particular religion because we realized that it wasn't just, uh, problems weren't existing just among religions. You know, they were, they were political. They were just about everything else you can name. And, and we've seen recently in America, the expression of those problems in terms of ethnicity and it's because of how we behave toward one another
0: and yes so that progression that is expressed in our core from mindfulness starting with mindfulness knowing yourself knowing your own perspectives biases interests triggers <laughs> all those things and then once you know yourself You're well-positioned to engage with others in dialogue. And as you so well stated earlier, the ability to have the mindset to know, I need to understand my neighbor. I need to be able to be in dialogue with them to really understand that. I need to do my homework, yes, but I also will engage and listen and understand their perspective and what's happening with them, especially If we have an interest in doing something to solve some of these challenges we have together as citizens, as leaders. So we need to collaborate that third step in the series to find that common ground, find that space of interest. Not saying to cover over the conflicts or challenges, but to work through them together to come to a place where we can see a solution and plan for it. But then what's planning without action, right? And so action for change is that fourth step. So as I look at the really amazing thoughtfulness you all put into that progression of steps or pillars, if you will, of the Claremont core, I can really see how the action to engage with our fellow neighbors, citizens, people in our community really does stem from intentional maybe even strategic actions to solve social problems together from that core?
1: Well, and if you want to solve almost any of our social ills, they're bigger than a single individual, but a single individual can be the catalyst to solve them. To do that, then you have to follow some progression. You have to know, first off, you know that the first of the core, knowing what you think, you need to be comfortable with your own beliefs. You don't have to believe like me, but you need, to, you need to know what you think about things, and you need to be able to explain it. Either that or it's not cogent. Uh, so, so it helps you come to grips with what you really believe and get comfortable with it. And maybe, unlike in the religious sector, we were really clear that this is not about convincing someone else to believe like you. This is about getting comfortable with what you believe and getting comfortable. I, Jerry, believe something. You believe, you believe something differently. Being comfortable with that, okay? We don't have to fight over it. Uh, it doesn't change your, your humanity or mine. We just, you know, we, we love one another no matter what those differences are. And so once you get to that circumstance where you have people who can be comfortable with themselves and be comfortable with people who are different and then talk to them you can get that second step of dialogue and when you start talking with someone you actually get even more comfortable with the differences because in the context that we teach at Claremont Lincoln we de-emphasize arguing or uh, convincing or preaching emphasize learning about one another finding common ground Mm. I mean You know, it's as basic as when you get together in a city, you need a sewage system. You need to have water. You need to have electricity. And so you find that these common needs are more important than basically anything else in the sort of theoretical argument side of things.
0: Wow. Dr. Campbell, that was so instructive. You know, as you talked, my mind couldn't help but go to the kinds of things that we're seeing happening today, where we have such an atmosphere of grievance and entitlement and, you know, fighting for what's mine, othering other people. I mean, and we have these tragic events occurring based on folks' outrage and how they respond to it. And and just that simple truth that you mentioned, let me pause and think about, you know, be self-reflective interrogating what are my beliefs and why do i have these beliefs and how then does that situate me in an environment with a community where we clearly have common needs we need roads to tra- travel on we need health insurance we need you know we we need things that no individual alone could provide for themselves no, ma- no matter how much money they had and so i'm just struck by the timeliness of the consideration of this principle of that as you said is a journey. And so whether we start with the golden rule and it morphs into the platinum rule or this titanium rule that the author in this article we referenced earlier talks about treat others as it is in the highest and best good to treat them. That seems to me to be getting at what you're talking about more than anything. And this author reduces it down to treating other people with the kindness, forgiveness, and compassion with which you would treat yourself.
1: You know, I guess I'm just probably getting a little bit long in the tooth. That seems to me to be where one ends up if one starts with the golden rule. Indeed. And what uh, what the article represents to me is someone really thinking hard and clearly about Okay what does this mean if I start down this pathway of treating other people? Let's just say better and then having to discover, define, work out what better is, not just in in my view, but so that when I've done my treatment, the other person feels that it was the right treatment too. I mean that's a, that's pretty challenging and it requires you've really got to be good at the second element of our core, a dialogue. You've got to talk with people. You've got to understand what their needs are. It's pretty hard to make decisions about, let's say, Black Lives Matter. If you never get out of your house, if you never talk to anyone, if you're white like I am, if you never talk to a person of color, if you're in splendid isolation, it is pretty hard. So if you have difficulties getting out, you can relate to people by Zoom. There are a lot of ways you can yes. relate to people. There are a lot of ways you can enter the dialogue. Mm. Uh, I'm in some ways are better than other. I'm not certain that Facebook is a great way to enter the dialogue, because I think I read that no one has ever changed their mind because of what they've seen on Facebook. Um, Facebook seems to me to be a a presentation of the hardened positions. Yes. And we need need positions not to be so hardened. You know, it's it's like hardening your heart. If you're so right, you can't change. It's going to be hard to enter into dialogue in a real way. And it's going to be even more difficult to get somewhere near collaboration.
0: Indeed, indeed. And this is where leadership does come in because... There, as you say, Facebook and other forms of social media have just become one of those places that are rife with disinformation and, and, as you say, calcified positions on things. So much hatred and vitriol that is about, you know, my way, me, my tribe, others bad. Leadership the kind of leadership that steps into that context and helps people with compassion to see, well, well, now, wait a minute, let's play this out. And I think the COVID epidemic has really helped put a fine point on this. We can all get vaccinated over here. (laughs) We can do all the things we need to do to protect ourselves here. But if those folks over there, those other people aren't able to get access, get vaccinated, take precaution too, It is going to affect me at some point. It may limit my access and my freedom, and it may get me affected at some point. So for my own good, for our own greater good, I've got to care about how we handle this COVID epidemic as a country, as a people. And and you can extrapolate that to so many other things. Leadership helps folks cut through all the noise and all the grievance and all the understandable pain to see, wait a minute, wait a minute, what is the better use of our time and energy and our intention? If truly our goal is to be in a healed place,
1: right? Right. For, for better or for worse, mm. leaders make a difference. Indeed. You know, uh, you say that horses are social animals. Uh, well, People have their social aspects as well. And one of them is that we are affected by our leaders, by what our leaders think, Mm -hmm. because they're leaders. And in many cases, we've helped make them leaders by voting or otherwise following the process. And so leaders have an almost inescapable impact on individuals, on groups, countries civilizations, Mm -hmm. the world as a whole. Mm -hmm. The the leader of the free world, so-called, has been the president of the United States. That individual affects people all over the world. Mm -hmm. And, And whatever he or she sets out as an agenda and as a style relative to how you treat other people or how you treat other countries, or even why you're doing what you're doing. What is the motivation? Is the motivation um, sort of looking inward? Is it to uh, aggrandize your own country? Or is it in fact to help your country become a leader for the world in positive, constructive, uplifting ways? So we have leaders. We need them to have a golden rule kind of agenda. It's the agenda that matters in the end and how they carry it out.
0: Indeed. And then we as citizens, how do we hold them accountable? How do we expect from them what we want and need to expect from ourselves? And, and, and there we go, right back to that golden rule. Leaders are not heroes. Leaders are people who've taken responsibility for stepping into a space for the common good and using their power in ways that, as you have said, represent how do we maximize this opportunity for others to be well and do well,
1: just as we do, for mm. the common good, right? For the common good. And although it is it is often hard to see through all of the media hype, and everything that goes into elections and so on and so forth, to discern sometimes the real motives of leaders. It's very important for, for all of us citizens to try to understand those motives so that when we elect, when we vote for people, it, it's not because they are red or blue. It's because of what motivates them as a human being and what they what they fundamentally wish for everyone else, because that's the kind of leader they're going to be. If their fundamental wish is to become the lifelong dictator it's going to have a different, you know, they're going to have a different style and it's not going to lean too far toward the golden rule.
0: Exactly. And as we come full circle in this conversation, we started out talking about how the leadership composition is and in today's age becoming much more diverse and needing to think about that diversity and diversity of perspective and the implications that has for the golden rule we can be happy today that in 2021, leadership has opened up so that we have many, many different kinds of faces and folks in positions who've been elected by we the people who are increasingly more representative of the communities that they come from. And so there is this hope that I know I have, Dr. Campbell, that as we have folks in elected positions who come from the community, who feel that tie and that connection to represent the community and to use power to make space for the kinds of things that are for the common good. I'm feeling encouraged. I'm feeling encouraged and that we've got leaders who actually do operate on those fundamental principles of kindness, forgiveness, compassion that are represented in the golden rule.
1: Well, I think there's, I think there's reason to be hopeful. Um, but but we always need to be careful, um, and I think, you know, part of what, uh, what David and I wanted to do by establishing Claremont Lincoln was to create some graduate students who could go out and understand how to begin to make change and help other people see this different way of doing things. You know, David always said about business, good ethics is good business. If you treat people right, do the right thing. In other words, apply the golden rule in business, you'll be successful. Well, he proved that was true. We wanted a whole group of graduates to go out and begin to sort of build the foundation for that so that in a generation or so, maybe we would have a new new foundation of people who were, you know, genuinely helpful in terms of our culture and, and... helping everyone uh, get a firm footing and have the things they need in order to have a, a, a joyful life, and et cetera, et cetera. I mean, that that was part of our big motivation for doing this. We wanted to see, we wanted it to begin to pay off with students. David called it the multiplier effect. <laughs>
0: Yes, Dr. Campbell, and I'm so happy to say as someone who's been on the faculty and a part of CLU for the last four years, you all set some things in motion that I can tell you that and I'm proud to say to you and inspired to say to you that we see it. We see what your what your hope was in the students that have engaged with us, who graduated, who were out there doing amazing things around this country and in the world in the partnerships that we are establishing today, it's alive and so happy that you're still here with us on this journey, even though our dear David Lincoln departed, his spirit still lives on and you are here in spirit and body to continue this great work with us. And I'm speaking for so many I know to say how grateful I am.
1: Well, thank you. And David and I were, while David was around, we were so grateful for you and I continue to be I think this is, you know, to have have students who are going out to be the leaders they want to see. I think that is so important that we can help them learn to do that.
0: Well, on that note, I think we we will end our conversation for today and just want to thank you again so much, Dr. Campbell, for all you've done, for all you are, and for being here today.
1: And thank you for a great series of questions.
0: Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for joining us today in our podcast on Does the Golden Rule Have a Place in 2021? And I trust that we've explored that question to the extent that we've engaged your interest, piqued your curiosity, and maybe even invited you to think about this rule, this question for yourself in your own daily life. And until next time, we'll talk with you again.